Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. If you've not met me, my name is Stuart. I'm the leader of the church. Very warm welcome. Uh, if you've got a Bible, could you go to Colossians chapter 1? Colossians chapter 1 in our New Testament. I will get there momentarily. Um, we weren't here last uh, Sunday as a family. It was our sort of Sunday off of the year. We were away for a week. We went down towards the south coast to Dorset. We had a lovely time um, as a family. Uh, thank you for all those who wished us well and prayed for us for have kind of recovery and refreshment. We had a lovely time. It was also my birthday when we were there, so we got to celebrate that. Thank you. We got to celebrate that, so that was fantastic. We had a lovely time away. Uh, we were back working last week. This weekend, just yesterday, was mine and Melanie's anniversary. Woo! 23 years uh, of blissful marriage. Um, but we were down in um, Bishop Stalford, which is a town uh, we used to live in before we moved to Sutton to plant the church. And we were down there because the church leader there was retiring, and we felt it was right to go and honor him and his wife in that place. They'd been leading the church for 36 years, uh, and we were there for a season for four years uh, on staff there. Both of us were on staff. And... Um, uh, we worked for Peter, and then when we came to plant the church, they were instrumental in helping us get them. And as part of the sort of the celebrations for his retirement, there are a whole bunch of people there, people we recognized from the past, some we didn't know because they weren't at the church at the same time as us. And we had afternoon tea, and there was a few hundred people in the building, and there was an open mic kind of bit to say, they all want to say thank you. And as the mic went around, it kind of came to me, and I thought I needed to say something uh, to Peter and Angela. And so what I thanked them for was... Um, on the way down in the car, I was trying to talk to our boys about what we were going to, because one of the masters in the morning said, whose funeral are we going to? And it's like, no, no, this is not, this is a retirement, no, it's not that, let me, how do I context this for them? I said, well, these, this couple, you met um, when you were very, very small, because we had Levi just before he left, uh, he was seven months old when we left to move here. And I said, well, actually, you kind of know them, you've met them, although you may not remember them. But I said to them, do you like the church you're a part of? Do you like Real Life Church? Do you like being part? And they said, Daddy, we love Real Life Church. Our friends are there. Uh, Levi got baptized here. We met Jesus here. We love it. We love coming to church. And I said, well, Peter and Angela are part of the story of why this church exists. Because when Mel and I felt the call to come here, they were the one of the first people we told and said, actually, we feel this is right for us. And it's quite scary when you go and talk to your boss who you work for, and we were quite key in the staff. Actually, we think we might be leaving. And they were gracious, and they were kind to us, and they released us, and they were generous to them. And I said to our boys, we need to thank them. So if you don't even remember them, the one thing I want you to do today is to say thank you to them. Because what we're a part of now is partly due to what they did back then, many years ago. And my boys were like, oh, all right. And so I got an opportunity just to speak for 30 seconds to publicly thank them on behalf of myself and my family, but also on behalf of you guys as a church to say thank you for what you did that made this happen, made this church happen. And what struck me as I kind of looked at them and many, many other people shared, and it was just a good time of honoring leadership and faithful service, is that it struck me that I was looking at a, a husband and wife who were now older, I'll leave it at that, and re kind of retiring from formal ministry of how they had grown up in their faith, how they had grown up and matured over the decades of service. And of course, it's not done for them. They've formally stopped employment, but they've got lots they're going to do in the years to come. And it just struck me that I'm look I was looking at 
two people who had matured in their faith. And what we're looking at today is this whole idea of growing up and maturing in their faith. And as I looked at Peter and Andrew, I thought, God, give me grace to one day be where they are, still married, still loving each other, still loving Jesus, still loving their kids, still loving the church, still being part of the church community, still going after you, even though a significant part of their race has now been run. And they're going on to something new and different. And so what we're looking at today is this whole idea of growing up uh, in faith. And what we're doing is at the beginning of this year, January, I spoke what I felt God has been speaking to us for 2023. And I'm basically revisiting that with a bit more. And so that's what we're doing today. And I, I began last year, uh, at the beginning of the year saying I felt God was speaking to us as a church that it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up as individuals but also as a corporate body. And just to context that, in terms of the age of the church, we've been going for about, we began formally January 2011. So we've been going about 12 years. And the church mirrors kind of the age of my children, because I've got one who's 13 and one who's 11. And the church sits nicely in the middle, the funny middle kid we have. And when you're raising kids at the beginning, it's all go, exhausting, kind of trying to help them, serve them, help them grow up. Uh, for those first 10 years, you're putting in foundations, you're laying stuff, getting them ready, help, help, teaching them the basics of life. Um, but we're now moving into the next 10 years of, of a church, kind of that second phase of development, the same with our children. And our kids are now growing up and maturing, and they're taking on more responsibility. They're going to big school, and they're having to handle bigger things and more responsibility. And they're getting access to technology, and then the day is going to come soon when they're going to want to learn to drive. And then we're going to give them the vote. And then it's suddenly like, you have as much power as I do in deciding the government of this land, which I find, frankly, terrifying at this stage. But it's all part of the growing process. It's all part of the, the necessary thing. And so for us as a church, we need to grow up, and we need to take responsibility for that. And as our church, as our purpose as a church, what we've always stated is what we're about. We're all about Jesus here. So uh, we believe real life is about having a relationship with Jesus, following the model of Jesus, and changing our world with Jesus. So if we're going to grow up and mature, we need to grow up in our relationship with Jesus. And we need to take a responsibility and a priority for that. And if God is going to call us, has called us to be a large, influential, reproducing church, if that's going to happen... By his grace, it's because we have taken responsibility of that calling and we have grown up in our faith together and all that that is. And so what I want to do today is we're going to look a little bit of, a little bit of the Bible, which I looked at in January. I'm going to remind us and then we're going to hear some stories from people. We've been collecting stories over this first almost four months of the year of people who've grown up and taken the opportunity. And so I've got some of them primed to come and talk to us at the end to give you some encouragement of what this looks like. But first of all, let's look at our Bible. We've got a passage, uh, Colossians 1, verse 28, which I'd love us just to read together. It's not a, a long one. So let's do this. If I move this out of the way. Let's all read what it says here. One, two, three, go. Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Let's do that once more. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. 
Okay, Colossians 1, 28. Now, the context of that verse is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church in Colossae as part of his letter there, and he makes this statement. I want to quickly go through this statement, then try and apply it to us, and then we'll hear from a few people. Well, first thing is, what is Paul's aim? Paul's aim is he wants to make it clear that it's all about Jesus. He says at the beginning of his, uh, this verse, he says, him, him is reference to Jesus. Jesus we proclaim, and then he finishes within Christ. It bookends this verse. It's all about Jesus. He's the one we're looking to. And even in that first little bit of the, the worship time, it was great to be reminded of him, reminded that we cling on to him, that we look to him. And one of the things we are to do, it says there, is we are to proclaim him. Apostle Paul says, I came to you in the church in Colossae, and I proclaimed Jesus to you. I announced it boldly, that's what that word means, and it is a message that is to be announced far and wide. And the Apostle Paul took that on, and he proclaimed it to everyone, regardless of their age, or their gender, or their background, or their ethnicity. Everyone needs to know about Jesus. Everyone needs to have the opportunity to see Jesus, to respond to Jesus. And this is all about having a relationship. That phrase, in Christ, which comes at the end of the verse, is Paul's shorthand for basically being a Christian and being a follower of Jesus and someone who knows him and has a relationship with him. And he uses that sort of little phrase, in Christ, but that's what it's summed up. It talks about men and women who've been transformed by the power of the Spirit. They have been moved from life to death, from dark to light. They have been born again. They have been made holy and righteous. They've been adopted into God's family and are slowly being conformed to the image of Jesus. It starts and ends with him, and it's something that is to be claimed. And he puts the we in there because he references his little apostolic team. We know that Timothy was with him. So him and Timothy as two leaders there, they would proclaim Jesus. And that is the role of the church, to proclaim Jesus to all and to everyone who will listen, to remind people who Jesus is. He is both fully God and fully man. He is the second person of the Trinity, the eternal one. He came to earth. He died in our place for our sin. He rose from death bodily, victorious. He ascended into heaven. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will one day return to judge all mankind. That is what we're about. That was Paul's aim for the church. That's what he wanted to proclaim. It's all about him. How is he going to go about doing this? He Paul says, I'm going to warn everyone and teach everyone with all wisdom. And so you've got a kind of more of a negative to start and then a positive. He says, Paul says, I'm going to warn. I means I'm going to admonish or instruct firmly. I'm going to give you that. You know, any parents, you ever dealt with small children, grannies, grandpas, you have to sometimes instruct firmly the little ones around you, about what to do and what not to do. And Paul says, actually, as part of our method of maturing is to be warned, to be instructed of how we are to walk. There are things we are not to do as Christians. And that gets a little bit, a little bit uncomfortable because no one likes to be told what to do in a Western individualistic society where we worship self and self-actualization and self-care. And so it's all about us. It's not all about Jesus, it's all about me. But Paul says, actually, there are things you need to be warned about. There are things you need to not do. There are things that you need to not be going. Because if you do those things, it will not lead to maturity. And the Bible is full of warnings, 
And what it is, the people who reject Jesus or don't live um, according to his ways, there are consequences to actions. So Paul says there are warnings, but he also says there is teachings, which is the impartation of knowledge, impartation of instruction, that hopefully will then be acted upon. Because we, when you, someone teaches you, you hope that they actually, you do something with it. I used to be a teacher before I was a, a church leader, and I would teach my little kids, and you kind of think, if I taught you that, hopefully this will result in some sort of action that you will do. You won't just look at me and nod, which they often did a lot. They were only five. They'd like, yes, Mr. Crane. And they'd say, now go. Now go and do what I've asked you to do. Learn, grow, mature little ones. Um, but that's what Paul's saying. He says he's warned, saying what you're not doing, he wants to teach you. This is what you want. This is with all wisdom. With all wisdom, we, we are to do it in certain ways and certain times to help us grow. There are times to warn. There are times to instruct. There are times to give comfort and care. There are times to actually poke and prod, say, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? That's not right. And Paul says it's for everyone. Everyone has to respond to this. Everyone has to receive this. This is not for uh, an exclusive group. This is for all people, just like the message has to go to all people. All people need to respond. All need, people need to learn. All people need to listen. It doesn't matter how long you've been a follower of Jesus. It doesn't mean if you're new here and you're like, I'm not even sure about the Jesus thing, you need to listen and learn. Just like we all need to listen and learn. And you might think, oh, I've been doing this for years, decades. It still applies. We need to listen. We need to learn. We need to grow up. And then finally, Paul talks about his goal. What's he want from everyone, what's the final kind of responsibility? And is that, that he wants to present everyone mature in Christ. He wants everyone to grow up in Jesus. And to present there means to display, to show, fully formed. There's a kind of a growing. If you think about a person, they, they grow up um, until they're kind of more fully formed as a human being. It's happening in my house alarmingly when my eldest son is almost, in certain lights, taller than Melanie, and he's gaining on me. And so is my youngest, and they are growing into these fully formed adults. I've threatened them that if they are ever taller than me, they are grounded. They said, how long for? I said, forever, if you get to that point. But unfortunately, I'm going to, have to, I'm going to be called on that sooner rather than later. But they are growing into fully formed Adults And we too, Paul says, that we are to grow and mature as fully formed believers in Christ. Now, we know this will never be fully completed. We will always have stuff to learn. But we are to be growing and maturing as Jesus. And this is the goal for all believers. You notice that theme all the way through. Everyone gets to have the message proclaimed to them. Everyone gets warned and taught. And everyone is to be presented mature in Christ. We are all to grow up, to be brought to completeness in terms of our character and our devotion and our worship and our service and our following of Jesus. That's what the aim is. No one gets to tap out and say, I've had enough, I've done, or I've reached level whatever. There's always another boss fight to come to go to the next level. You've got to keep growing. You've got to keep doing. No one ever gets to say, we're done. And the process, we call this, we call this sanctification, it's the technical term, and it's growing into the likeness of Jesus. So when you are just like Jesus, you can say, I'm done. But until that day happens, and when you think that day's come, just ask someone who knows you, and they'll say, actually, 
there's still room for improvement. We are to keep growing. We are to keep um, maturing in our faith. And it's a process that begins at our conversion, and it carries on very much to the day that we pass into the next life. And the reality for us as believers is as we grow and as we walk with Jesus day by day, month by month, year by year, we are gradually, slowly changing and being conformed into his image. And it's one of the things that I find quite um, humbling and satisfying is to reflect back on your life over years, sometimes decades of following Jesus, and think, I actually can see change by the grace of God. The man I once was is not the man I am now. Hopefully, I am growing and I'm maturing, and there's things I've learned and uh, lessons and trials I've been through, and what comes out the end. I'm waiting for I'm going to keep going until my wife starts nodding at me that this is this man you have now after 23 years of marriage yes is much more Christ-like yeah thank you I felt it's a shame I had to mention it publicly isn't it (laughs) know what I mean but that's it we we grow in Christ-likeness and character we learn to bear more of the fruit of the spirit and we become more Jesus-like and it's a lifelong process that we're doing so that is what we're going after this year that is what we're looking at particularly maturing in Christ and there's a few things uh, I reminded us of um, as we began the year to look at some four headings and I just want to quickly go through those and just to give yourself if you you missed it first time that's fine but if you have maybe just give yourself an audit how are you doing what's going on with this how are you growing up in this area and there were four areas the first one was Bible and prayer second one was a church family third one was the stuff in our life and then the fourth one was just everyday life as a follower of Jesus so the first one um, your Bible and prayer we are to be men and women who are shaped by the word of God and prayer we are to be shaped by it as we read our Bibles as we pray as we learn from God and his word it is to shape us and transform us it is not about gaining knowledge for knowledge's sake, although gaining a knowledge is important because you have to learn stuff, that's why we have teachers, but actually that then should be, have a transforming effect on your life. I'm currently reading through the book of Matthew, and I've got to the Sermon on the Mount, and suddenly it gets really uncomfortable when Jesus is prodding and pointing about the, um, the way the law was interpreted and what the effect it should have on my life about giving to the needy, about lustful thoughts, about angry thoughts, and he's saying, actually, it's not, it's not good enough just to say, oh, I don't murder anyone. If you have angry thoughts against someone, he says, that's just as bad, and suddenly you're convicted to a point of repentance and think, oh, my goodness, I need to do something with that. And so as Jesus, we are to be men and women who read our Bibles and pray. And I want to just put that before you again. This is something that we are just to do. We do this because we want to build a relationship with Jesus, and they are the tools he has given us to do that. We read his word, we learn about him, we hear from him by the Holy Spirit. We learn about God's purposes and plans in the world and how we fit into it. We learn about what's happened to us through salvation, what God's doing. We speak to him in prayer. We cry out to him for our needs. We call on him in worship. We thank him for what he's done in our lives. And that is what we are to do. And that is something we are to build into our lives as a relationship with Jesus. It's not an activity to be done so much as ticked off. It's actually about cultivating a relationship with Jesus. If you have a relationship with a friend, you do certain things. If you you want to have a relationship, you have to do certain things. You have to talk to them. You have to spend time with them. You have to call them, message them, do things. 
And the same with Jesus. If you want a relationship with Jesus, you have to do certain things. And part of that is reading your Bible and praying. And we do that as individuals. And we've got lots of resources here at the church, people here you can learn from. We've got the Real Life School with places to learn. Um, we've got many, many people in our life group that you can just talk to. If you want to know more, come and talk to us about how I read my Bible and pray, and we will help you. There's also the, dynamic, uh, the, the public dynamic of that in terms of we publicly teach God's Word, which is what's happening now and we do every Sunday those are things to fully engage with come with faith if you are going to mature in Christ when there is a sermon and you're part of it you respond in faith to what's being proclaimed God what are you asking me to do out of this today is the question we come with every week what do you want me to do with this how do I respond to this we have public prayer when we gather together at church at prayer is that this week it is oh wow timing it's like we planned it Look at that. It's this week, an opportunity to come together and pray. And I know for me, one of the biggest faith-building things I do is when I get together with other Christians and pray and just stand in the same room and cry out to God together. They are brilliant times. How are you doing in that? Next thing, your, ch- your church family. We have been, when you became a Christian, you got adopted into God's family. He is your Father in heaven. He's given you his Holy Spirit. Uh, to remind you of that. Jesus is our big brother, so to speak, in the family, and we get to be part of the church. It's not, so, it's not a trial you endure, okay? It can feel like that, but it's not. It is a family you get to enjoy, and being part of God's family is amazing. You are his child. You're surrounded by other children. This is the family we get to enjoy, and we get to be part of the community And if you're reading your Bible and praying, you will notice some things. And that is a lot of what God talks about you cannot put into practice or work out unless you're part of a family. Because there's a lot of things the Bible talks about how we deal and interact with other people in the family. And if you're not part of it, you can't do it. How we're to love and serve and forgive. How to be caught up in God's purposes for creation is part of his family, the church. There's no plan B. This is it. (laughs) Look around and say, this is it. And be terrified and then realize God's sovereign and it's okay. All right? This, this is it. This is all we got. This is the team. These are the resources that God has given us for this place. But luckily, he's given us his spirit as well. And so I encourage you, be part of the church family. If you're a visitor here, love having you here. Whatever family you're part of, go be part of that family. Join the small group system, whatever they have in there. We have life groups. They're the best. We love it where you get to connect and do life together. Be part of the church family and everything that is going on. Third thing, uh, your junk, which means your sin and shame can be dealt with in Christ. If you are going to mature, if you are going to grow up in Jesus, there's things you need to deal with. There'll be things that need to deal with in your life. There'll be day-to-day things. There'll be big things. And if we're going to be a church called Real Life, who called it that? We have to be honest and open about the things that are wrong in our life, things that need addressing, things that need working through. This uh, Thursday, a few days back, myself and Melanie and Phil, we were gathered together with some other leaders from the network of churches. We're a part of the Catalyst Network, um, and we were down in uh, town uh, in one of their church buildings, and there was probably about 50 of us there, church leaders, and we were looking at and wrestling with the whole area of suffering. And what is our theology and practice on suffering? (laughs) Which when someone says, come to a training day on suffering, you're like, really? 
<laughs> really can't we have it on the joy of the Lord or how much Jesus loves me or, or anything much more fun like that. No, no, it was a day on suffering and it was really helpful for to look at this area that actually the, the broadness of suffering, suffering's a great topic they started out saying because it applies to everyone. Everyone has to deal with this because we all suffer in some form or another. We can suffer because of stupid things we do. We make bad choices. We can suffer because of other people's bad choices to us. We can suffer because the world is just broken and we have to live in it and it's wading through treacle like sometimes. And over all that, there is a sovereignty of God who often allows it to help grow us and teach us. And we just went back and forth trying to understand that. And part of this for us maturing is having a decent kind of understanding of that. And there's things that we do in our life or things that have happened to us that we just need to deal with. There are sins that we commit that we need to repent of. Confess, then turn away, repent of our sin. And part of a maturing process in Christ is acknowledging that. There are things that you're doing, things that you're involved in that you know you shouldn't be doing. And part of the warning is to tell you that and then say to you, instruct firmly, repent, confess your sins, stop, get help, talk to someone, do whatever it takes for that. You're knowing that God is faithful and just and he will forgive you when you repent. So you've got a loving father in heaven who wants to make right with you and help you. We've got the spirit with us who can lead us. But that's what we need to do as maturing Christians. We need to confess our sins and deal with them. We need to deal with the sins that are committed against us. There are things that happen in life, things that happen in the past where we've been on the receiving end of other people's bad actions, sinful actions, sinful choices. And sometimes these can be done intentionally. Sometimes these can be just unintentional. And you just kind of, you're, you're caught in the, the ripple effect of it. But again, there are things that we need to process and deal with. And that is painful. Let's not sugarcoat that. That is extremely painful. But dealing with that is like dealing with an injury. If one broke their arm, your arm, it's really painful. But what needs to happen? It needs to be set, which can be just as painful as the arm is then set and a cast is put on it to help it heal. And so it can be a painful process, but at the end of the day, the cast comes off and your arm is working again and you can do things with it. And it's like that when dealing with sin. We have to come to God by his grace. We need to find people to help us with that. This is something that why the community is so important, to be part of God's community, to help process that. And so if you know there are things, rubbish in your life, please come, get it dealt with that will help you mature a refusal to do that ultimately is a sign of pride, thinking either no one can help you or it's beyond God's grace or something, which is not a good place to be. And ultimately, the consequences of that are damaging for you and for others around you. And so whatever your junk is, whatever your stuff is in your life, come to Jesus. Get it sorted. And the last one, your everyday life, the joy of living for him. As part of our maturing, a part of our growing up as Jesus is, we get to live for him wherever we find ourselves. In your home and in your workplace and in your relationships and your family and your wider network and your social groups, you get to be a believer there. Jesus said, I will be with you by my spirit and I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. 
I will empower you for service. So you get to go out into the world, empowered by the Spirit, and just to be a follower of Jesus, to love and serve those around you, to be humble in whatever it is, to be the best whatever God has called you to do, in whatever life role you find yourself. You get to excel at that as if working for God, the Bible says. So you get to go out and do that. You get to proclaim the good news of Jesus when the opportunities arrive. You get to serve. You get to pray for the sick and those who are suffering and those who are hurting. You get to live out the great commission before the world. And that is a wonderful place to be. And taking hold of that in whatever sphere God has put you in is a wonderful way of growing up in Christ because we are way more effective as a church family when we are scattered in our places being salt and light there. It's great to come together on a Sunday. I love it. I think it's vital for church life, health, and growth. But actually, when we go from here, we go into the world and we have an incredible reach and influence where we get to be salt and light and love and serve so many more people that would ever come into this building on a Sunday. I pray they would, but you know what I mean. We get to go out and we get to serve and we get to love those people. All right, so they were the things that we're looking at. Have Give yourself a quick, how am I doing on those things? Is there anything God prompting me on those things? And I finished with just a couple of responses that you can make from this. And I've seen this played out in the first four months of 2023. The first response you can make is to run and hide. And that happens. I've been in pastoral ministry now doing this for 20 years. I've just clocked over. I had my 20th anniversary or whatever it is. 20 years of doing this. Um, I was expecting something. Nothing happened. I don't know what it is. I don't know what 20 years is. China or something. But whatever. I did it. And I've seen this happen far too many times to count, is that when people are confronted with the truth and the grace of God, they run and hide, which is what, exactly what the devil wants. It's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to separate you. He wants refusal to deal with pain. He wants it, you to think it's too hard. It's too painful. No one will understand. No one will accept me. I'm too busy. There's too much going on, so you don't actually deal with this. Some people get challenged and they just they won't come back to church because they don't want to. And you think that is just the worst thing that you can do, the worst possible response. The second thing, I think the better response, is to rise to the challenge. Those who hear the warnings, who heed the teachings, and say, I want to grow up in my faith in following Jesus. Now that is not easy and that is not straightforward and that requires humility, it requires effort, it requires faith, it requires a community around to love and serve and encourage you. It doesn't mean it's going to be a quick fix or a quick reward in our instant world. Well, I'm starting to get annoyed with Amazon that it takes 24 whole hours for that thing to reach me. And I'm like, whoa, stop yourself. I remember days when you'd send off or something and they said, allow 28 days for delivery. I remember those days and now 24 hours is just too long. This thing will take time, it will take years, it will take decades, it will take till your dying breath. But it is a choice that we can make today that I'm gonna rise to the challenge, I'm going to grow up, I'm going to take a step forward, I'm going to 
do what I can to mature in faith and mature in Christ. And at the beginning of the year, I, I shared a little bit of my story, and I feel it's right to just continue that, because if I'm telling you to do something, I have to lead by example, if you will. I can't just sit here and yell at you. I need to tell you what I'm doing. And so I said a bit last year, if you want more details, just go and catch up on the sermon from January. It's in there. But I had a rough year last year and so put some things in place to help me. What's happened in 2023? It hasn't been great because I've been ill for probably about 50% of the year. But some things I've managed to put in place to help me grow up. I've told you I'm reading through the Gospel of Matthew now, um, using a commentary to help me. So that's just part of my daily reading. I'm uh, I'm still journaling. I journal uh, most days, write my, my prayers out. I've started using prayer cards, which I just I heard about from somewhere. I can't remember. I read in a book, which I've cut out these pieces. I actually haven't cut them out. I've stolen Mel's offcuts of card that lie around our house, and I've written I've written a Bible verse on there. Um, for that I'm something I'm praying into and I've currently got about seven or eight now I pray for I've got one for the family I've got one uh, for my leaders I've got one for the church I've got one for me um, in terms of dealing with sin um, and I just I pray for them so I read the scripture out this morning read the scriptures out and then pray into whatever it is and I've just found that just another way of praying found that really helpful in terms of our finances we've adjusted our giving we went back and reviewed our finances at the beginning of the year so we've increased our giving uh, to real life church which is probably still up about 12-13% of our uh, income before tax now comes to the church as a response to that I don't want to slacken off on that in a world that's obsessed with finances and money we wanted to exercise faith continuing growing even in the midst of the financial what they call it cost of living crisis no, we want to keep being faithful. Jesus comes first, so we're still giving faithfully. Um, I'm having regular sessions as a church leader now, once a month with a guy, a professional who is helping me. They're decompression. It's basically a place to go and talk about how I'm doing, how I'm doing leading the church, and he's helping me increase my bandwidth. That's what he tells me he's doing, so that I've got greater margins to just to, to deal with the pressure <laughs> of leading you lot. That came out wrong, but you know what? I'm, that, that wasn't quite what I meant, but... Just doing that. So I'm meeting with him once a month to help me to process how I'm doing, also to help myself with bad you know, thought patterns and things that aren't helpful. And to that end as well, I've started something just on Thursday. I had the first session of something um, came out of a church in London that I was recommended somewhere in February by a, a church leader as part of our Catalyst Network, uh, the hub. Uh, the guy who leads that said he'd just done this course and he just recommended it to all the church leaders, which is basically a 12-step course like uh, it's based on the AA stuff. Um, but it's for, um, there's, anyone can run it, but there was a church leader one coming. He said, I recommend it to you church leaders. Maybe you should do that. And so I went along on the intro session online and they basically gave me a list of things. They said, this is, this is some things you might want to work on. And there was a generic list of stuff. And they suggested, right, well, why don't you just have a look at them and see if any kind of come out to you. And I, I went through the list. There's probably about 20 things on there. There's about five things. I thought, actually, that sounds like me some of those things, and I thought, oh, crumbs, there might be something in this uh, for God that I might need to deal with. So I went, I, I printed out the list, and I went downstairs, and I gave it to Melanie, and said, do any of these sound like me? Which when, with hindsight, that sounds like a recipe for a stand-up row, but thankfully, by the grace of God, Mel picked the same ones that I had, which I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, 
But she did. She, when I, I was reading through them, and I, I, I went through the first one, she said, no. Went through the second one, no. Went through the third one. Went for the fourth one. I hadn't even finished it. Yep, that's you. That's definitely you. That's you. And so, and so I am doing the steps course, and the, um, the, the thing I'm working on is that I judge myself without mercy, which means I am hyper-judgmental on myself, and that then comes out on others. And so I'm judgmental and critical to those around me, which is a sinful thought pattern in my life, which I am now dealing with. And so I've started this course. I was on Thursday with uh, nine other church leaders who are all doing it. So they're all confessing their, their sins, and we are working through this program. So it's every Thursday morning for the next 12 weeks. I'll be online for an hour doing this process with other um, church leaders. And so I'm just conf- telling you that. Um, uh, so it's part of a community thing, although I go over and do it over there. And so I'm dealing with sin in my life, and hopefully through this I will be a nicer human being uh, and mature in Christ slowly, slowly um, before you. I'm also, something that we're doing, um, Mel and I are doing as, a ch- as church leaders, is we are meeting, we've got some stuff booked in this week actually, to meet with other churches to talk about where we are as a church and basically how we grow from here, how we move forward here. We need to ask questions about staffing, about management of the church, and there's people we know who, who have done this, and they're a bit further ahead of us. Um, and and we, so we're trying to learn from others as well. And so this is all part of the things I'm doing to try and help myself grow up this year because I don't want to end 2023 the same way I started 2023. I want to be more mature at the end than when I began. And so I'm just telling you that. If you want to ask any of me about anything, please, you are free to come and ask me anything about any of those that you wish at any point uh, for this, you know, whenever. Um, so I just want to make myself accountable to you in that. So that's what's happening with me. Melanie, you've got the mic, and you want to invite um, some others. We want to hear for some others as well. So if I have asked you to share a story, please could you come and join me? And then I won't be Billy No-Mates. If you don't come, I'm going to name and shame you. So if I've asked you to share, just... Come, 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 come. We thought this morning it'd just be fun to hear from a bunch of other people of what they're doing. And I've got some people who are in the room who are going to share. And I've got some people who are out in kids' work or away this week who've written some things down that I'm going to share. And I'm going to kick it off because all good leaders lead the way and being vulnerable and honest and open. So... Um, I have, if you know me, I have a very beautiful family background, but very messy, very painful, and very broken in lots of places. And over the years, I have had to face uh, so many things about what that has meant for me. And this year, I decided to do the grace course well it began last year but finished up this year and I decided to go on it for a couple of reasons one of them was that I wanted to take a look at it as a course and see whether or not we could make use of it so it's part of the freedom in Christ courses but I also knew there were a couple of things in my life from my background where I was getting stuck and you know that bit where you feel like the record's stuck and you just kind of again there it is again, there it is again. So I had a couple of things where I was stuck. And so I went on the grace course and the first week we were asked to read out something which was where I was stuck. And I literally, you know, I just thought, oh great. feel like I'm here to help others, but really actually God is here to help me. And so 
throughout the course. I, I just did work with Jesus on it and attended every week and ate cake. It was quite a hardship, to be honest. Um, ate cake and, and like made myself vulnerable and talked about stuff and then made a decision at the end of the course to get some time with Jesus, work through some of the stuff and then get some prayer help, which I'm yet to do. So I'm at that stage. But part of my growing up is I want to get much quicker at facing the stuff so that actually I'm not spending a whole year with God going, have you dealt with that yet? Have you looked at that yet? Every worship time, every... So I've kind of made this deal with God. If you reveal something in my life, I will face it as soon as I possibly can. So that's part of my growing up. I'm going to come this way. Do you do you have a preference who shares first? Ollie then. Thanks. Um, so back in November, Stuart um, gave a sermon and I was challenged about Bible reading um, and Ben had mentioned something in his intro session early in the same morning. Um, and I think the sort of gist of it was, are you doing it? Do you, do you connect with God through the Bible? And are you relying on someone else in your family, maybe a spouse or loved ones, to sort of be under their wing spiritually? Do you rely on them? Um, could you grow up? Um, so I approached some of the guys in the life group, and it, you know, it sort of ended up that um, by January we were doing Bible in a year. So it's amazing what comes of just some sort of comment you make to people who who you trust and you want to do something about it. Yeah, um, so obviously we're in the same life group, so between us we set up an accountability group to share our uh, thoughts and processes about what we're reading and what we're living through. Um, and now, as Ollie said, we're reading through the Bible in a year. We've got some other plans to do other things. Um, but between us, we're growing up as a, as a trio, I suppose, in Bible reading and prayer and accountability. Yeah, it was good to um, start the Bible plan with these two these two guys, and I, I've told them that every Bible plan that I've started by myself it failed. Um, I just drift out of it. But yeah, together as a as a team, as a godly team, it felt like it's um, it's much easier to to go forward and just spend time with God, pray, and uh, read the Bible every day. It's it's great. Having moved, um, like Melanie, I started on the Grace Course in November. Uh, two motives: I um, wanted to support my daughter, who had uh, sort of rejigged the Grace Course, um, and I just wanted to go deeper with God on it. And what I got out really was a big issue over this sounds horrible um, it hit me how I always assume people have negative thoughts about me and nobody likes me and um, I really have worked through that through one of the processes that Freedom in Christ and the Grace Course uses so that's made a big difference and the other thing um, Melinda asked me to mention was the uh, fact that um, we've started a new daytime life group um, I've, it was a need that I've felt since I moved to this church, really, that it needs to be really functioning. And when in 
February, I suppose. I thought, this is this need again. Um, and was praying about it, and God just said, well, sometimes when you see a need, you have to be the answer. So I have mentioned it, leadership, and I'm now trying to step up to be the answer that God wanted. Um, probably middle of last year at uh, Man V Spirit event, I talked about being feeling very kind of lukewarm um, in my kind of like almost apathetic towards not necessarily my relationship with God, but just about generally everything. Um, and so Matt Nixon, uh, a different kind of event, prophesied over me. And so what I've done to grow up in that is to uh, like listen to what God was speaking to through, through Matt um, and look at dealing with some of the disappointment in my past that has kind of led to that being feeling of lukewarm um, and getting some prayer ministry you know, to deal with that. So very much a work in progress. Um, definitely not finished yet, but uh, that's how I'm looking to grow up. Um, for me, this year, um, one of the things that I've been quite deliberate about to, to grow up in Jesus is just in the everyday. So um, rather than choosing to listen to whatever's on the radio or whatever I quite fancy, is being very deliberate about worship music when I'm working and choosing podcasts and things like that that really help me grow up in Jesus. So just really surrounding myself with him in the day-to-day -day as well as all the stuff that I'm doing in church. Because I've asked you guys to share, haven't I? Because you've started doing something as well, just to help yourselves grow. So, are you happy? So, um, me and Josh joined the same WhatsApp group to essentially just help each other uh, read the Bible more as before. I have been having trouble reading the Bible continuously, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, as Arthur said a while ago, we created this WhatsApp group. And although I'll admit we've been a bit inactive recently, but it, it's been really useful actually to hear each other's thoughts on Bible passages. So, yeah. Okay. Not wishing to be super spiritual, but I just want to start with a Bible verse Isaiah 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When I was asked to help lead a life group, I felt that this was um, a way to continue to help build the body of Christ, um, to help myself grow personally, um, and to help others also grow. I'm going to get you all to clap and cheer at the end, so hang on in there, all right, we're nearly done. So Rob, I asked Rob Armstrong just to um, say, so he has... Uh, written something down for us. He said that uh, one of the ways he's growing up is he said yes to lead in the Alpha team and yes to lead in an Alpha course. And he's put, it gave me an opportunity to grow by organising the evenings, writing and delivering some of the talks and helping people on their faith journey. Claire Walton, um, she put this, I've recently been part of the grace course and through that and through some prayer ministry, I've uncovered some barriers that I hadn't acknowledged before. In this season, I want to grow my relationship with the Lord and break down every hold from the enemy and the world's influence and focus on who God sees me as and live in what he wants and has for me. Amen. Who doesn't want that? I want that. And then Matt Bowen um, said... 
to grow in this season, I've set myself a challenge to read a chapter of a few books every day and learn more about God and his word and to learn some Greek on the side with a goal to read in the New Testament in its original language. And then Mel Allen, uh, she... She put this, my journey with God has taken a scenic route. I was saved the week before lockdown. I started coming to real life properly now that my kids are old enough to go out into kids' work. I've also recently attended my fifth Alpha course. I think she gets the medal for the most Alpha courses. And it it was so brilliant and I had so much to learn. It felt totally right for me to, at the end of the course, re-say my prayer and recommit my life to following Jesus and asking the Holy Spirit to be my helper and my guide. Now I am finding myself a life group and I want to be baptised in July. So you are welcome to cheer now. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Thank you, everyone. Um, Can you stand up, please? We're going to break in the band, come back up. We're going to respond to Jesus. I'd just love to, um, to pray for you all. Before I pray, if I could ask you, if you know there's something that you've done that you feel like, yeah, I've made this decision this year, I've done this, I've taken on this, I've tried to deal with this, please tell someone if you haven't. Tell your life group. First and foremost, we would love to hear from you, kind of just to collect some of the stories. If you want to drop us a line, a couple of lines, just to say, this is what happened. It's just great, and it encourages us that God's doing something in you. And so I just want to pray now, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to make the choice. Are you going to run and hide, or are you going to rise to the challenge? Because we just heard from a bunch of people who, by the grace of God, said, I'm going to rise to the challenge. I'm going to do something about this. And I don't believe God's done with them. I think there's more. And the same with us, but it was a, it's a, a face statement, and it's, it does my heart good to hear and see what they've done. So maybe you want to close your eyes, open your hands, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. So Lord Jesus, we thank you. You are here now by your Spirit. We thank you that you love us enough not to leave us the way we are. We thank you that you are slowly conforming us to your image Lord Jesus, and today we want to say that we want to respond in faith to your calling to grow up. We want to rise to the challenge. We recognize it will not be easy. It will require effort and discipline. It will be painful and hard and slow. But we want to be faithful to you in this, and we want to mature in Christ. We want to heed the warning. We want to listen to the teaching, and we want to grow up in you. And maybe I'll just give a, a, a few seconds. You make your own confession to God. If you, that's you, you make your faith statement to him now today. And then we're going to worship Jesus.